plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome back to Warriors Plus Minus. We are off our All-Star break hiatus. And guess who is not off their All-Star break hiatus? The Golden State Warriors defense. No, that was mm. that was just a shot. I forgot I forgot about the Utah game. My bad. So easy to just just I kill them for just the forgot losses. About it. Just forget about I the know. win. Negative. It looks negative, like Utah negative. wasn't back on their All-Star break. Uh we got we got the whole crew in the building. Anthony Slater, our superstar beat writer. Ethan Strauss and Tim Kawakami, the the Bay Area legend, who I'm surprised is here because the 49ers got moves to make. I kind of wanted Corey Lindsley. I kind of wanted Corey Lindsley. Like, yeah, yeah. that's that a high ticket item. Let's, it's let's, it's going to be 38, 38 year old Alex Mack now. He's going to be miss five might games. Be, Are you guys talking a, like O line Niners or something here? Yeah, we're talking. My bad. What is this? Take it to the Niners spot. Tim, are they are they gonna keep K1? They already lost Kendrick Bourne, who's like, hey, let's talk, let's talk, let's talk guy. Warriors. Let's He's talk Warriors. Keep let's talk, going. Yeah, yeah, let's talk Warriors. Let's talk Warriors. <laughs> As if y'all want to talk Warriors. All right, um, here's what's interesting to me. Everybody thought they would lose to the Lakers, right? Like nobody thought they were gonna win that game, especially after they got blown out the first time. Um, without Gasol and Davis and Caruso, I actually thought they had a chance, to be honest with you. Y'all really thought the Warriors were going to beat the Lakers? Was I going to go on Twitter and be like, I'm predicting a win? No, but like that was a winnable game, Like if you think about it. Can you talk like that more often? Yeah. (laughs) That's a great character. (laughs) Hi, I'm Anthony Slater. I'm going to predict. This is what I'm going to predict now. (laughs) I'm the hack version. Steph, I'm just wondering how you could possibly lose that game. I can't even do it. I'm sorry. (laughs) That wasn't a good loss. No. No. no, It was terrible. It was awful. And it was made worse. A little aside a bit of commentary on the commentary people complain that Fitzgerald will try to blame bad luck for a situation and when a guy's hitting a bunch of open threes say oh he's only a 32 percent three-point shooter unbelievable he's hitting these you know what's worse in my opinion is when they're building up the competition when the Warriors are getting smacked when I was watching that game and Fitz oh that Utah like, game, oh. my goodness! Or you know, at least they won that game. But when they're losing to the Lakers without they've Anthony slayed Davis, the dragon. <laughs> they're, oh they're man, the Utah up. game was wild. <laughs> they're building up the lake like, oh, this is the Lakers. They're, they're just too good. They're just amazing. What can you do? It's unfair, LeBron James. Unfair, and yeah, LeBron was great. But that Laker team, very depleted, as Slater is saying. That's a winnable game. And yeah, they're going to lose some games. Yeah, things won't go right. Yeah, it's a back-to-back. But it just was all the more frustrating to me to see this very poor performance and excused as though they were going up against, I don't know, the Lakers of the bubble as opposed to the but actual some games Lakers. are a bad matchup, though. And it's not because of Mark Gasol. It's because of athleticism and defense and like due to rebound and you're playing a second unit that basically is saying we're not trying to compete at the highest level so to me the utah game was a complete aberration and they got hot from three 
and Utah wasn't really bringing it and ha- and haven't been for a while. But you looked at that Laker team last night and thought, yeah, the Warriors should have beat them. Like, whether they, they still they never had an answer for Montrez Harrell. They still don't have one. And they were winning in the first quarter. And to quote Mark Jackson, they but let we go know what was going to happen. The they were going to bring in that second unit, and we knew what was going to happen. That's what I understand the shock. Yeah, against LeBron, <laughs> you, play, you put Nico Mannion against LeBron, and you thought because Anthony Davis was out, it was gonna be different. Like I, I don't know. Brad Wanamaker against LeBron would have changed that game. <laughs> change that game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it wouldn't have. I know. I don't think they. Yeah. They don't have nothing to do for Trez, right? Like we we've seen it, and Marcus Saul was a problem, and Marcus Saul is kind of like not that good anymore. Like we're seeing Alex Caruso. Can I tell you an issue that this team has? Because you're saying they don't have an answer for Montrez Harrell. First of all, remember early in the season when we were talking about Eric Paschal is like emerging into a potential Montrez Harrell? That has fallen off a cliff. That's number that's one. Not there. That's not num- there. Number two, Kavon Looney's not playing well at all right now. He hasn't made a shot since the All Star break. He had a, there was a play in the first two minutes last night that he got on a dive wide open, and only Dennis Schroeder was there, and he stopped at the rim with Dennis Schroeder guarding him in the post, a point guard, a small point guard, and double pump faked and then shot a layup over the rim. James Wiseman's going to get cooked by a Montrose Harrell. It's a quick twitch, high energy big who who killed James Wiseman on defense last night. But the problem is, if you assume you're trying to win the game, and like, look, zooming out, it doesn't really matter. But if we're really talking about like this, this version of the Warriors trying to beat that version of the Lakers, Kavon Looney would play over Wiseman because Wiseman can't guard Harold. But Kavon Looney's not playing well to the point that Wiseman comes in. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't, I, don't, I don't know about all this. Look, I agree that Looney not playing well, not a good performance last night. Looney was minus three in his minutes. I don't necessarily think what happened was about Kavon Looney. It was a lot more Wiseman. No, for sure. But the point is, you can't go to Looney you and then expect You can't be minus that, three while in Looney's minutes. That's the problem. You can't well, not be only, minus in Looney's minutes. Not only that, they would have been plus five if Looney had made four absolutely <laughs> wide open lay, you know, like layups. He crashed into LeBron on an easy slip. Like The problem is your veteran center's not playing well. Your rookie center's not playing well defensively. Your veteran center is not playing. Smiley Geach plus Smiley one. Each. There you go. Smiley Geach hit like a floater, right? <laughs> Smiley Geach was instantly getting scored on the second his feet touched the floor. I agree with you overall about how they have an issue at center and Looney not performing is a big problem for them. I agree with it. It just seems like that's not Looney isn't the guy I would uh, I would pin most of the blame for what happened on. I'm not trying to – it's more like Looney and Draymond Green did not make one shot last night, neither of them. And Wiggins didn't make a shot till the game was over. Right. Yeah, and then like, he made a bunch of them then. He made a bunch of them then. Well, he made that three at the end of the half. There you go. Like there you bomb, go. But, the game uh, was over by then. Yeah. Well, here's, the, here's the, the, pro- the problem is the starting lineup with Draymond and Looney. It just is. I mean, even if the starting lineup does okay, which it mostly did you know, at least early on last night, it just puts so much pressure on Steph to score – Unless Wiggins is scoring, and we, you know, we don't, we don't have to have the debate on Wiggins anymore. You just can't assume you're going to get those points. And if Steph is not, you know, he scored fine last night, but it still wasn't enough. Looney and Draymond together in a unit is tough. It's it's so tough that Kerr doesn't put Looney back in in halves. By the way, he only gets that one stint to start the first quarter, start the third quarter, and now Pascal's getting those minutes, but Pascal's struggling almost as much. And that's their issue. They don't have someone who can kind of combine with Looney, combine with Draymond, combine with Pascal. They, they're all like screw up the other person. 
the one person who could theoretically not screw everyone else up is Wiseman, and he has terrible games sometimes, so that's a problem. They just don't have that other guy. They, they could so use just somebody who can give them 15 minutes of shooting and some defense in, in a big position, and they don't have that, and that screws them up. Those Marquise combinations Chris are would all help. Marquise Chris is, is a loss. There's no question. I mean, he's a replacement-level center, no question, but they don't even have a replacement-level center. He'd be starting. That is a loss. He'd oh, no starting. question. No question. No question. No question. Looney'd probably be getting DMPs right now. He this might get the end of the eight. end of the half minutes if he's playing well, and if he's not, yeah, then he's out and someone else is in there. Yeah, Ethan, what has happened to the what was it called? The Looney what? Looney resurrection. Looney Lane. Looney is the plus minus god compared to these other guys on the team. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm not singling Looney out. I think Looney's got his flaws. I think Looney's not somebody you want to depend on, certainly, but I think that's not the source of the issues. A lot more went wrong than just Looney. I think, and it seems like the, the bar for Looney, guys, the bar for Looney's too high. That's what I'm saying. He has a bad <laughs> game or two. Make a, make a two-footer? Make a two-footer's too That's high? Man. He needs a nine-foot rim. Is that what you're saying? It's too high? Ten is too high? He has Mikey Moore-esque efficiency, people. Come on. Remember when Fitz was talking about that back in the day, by the way? <laughs> the percentage conversion? <laughs> I do think it's a problem, though, when, like, like Tim is saying, like they just I don't care how great a defense you have you have you have to you have to score you simply have to score and especially when that second unit is going to put you back in the hole then you got to you got to make up the hole and especially against the Lakers who who seem to just like have the Warriors playbook they know all they they were fine with all LeBron that off, off the court movement yeah LeBron exactly they were fine with all that. Steph gets double pass it, and then it's Looney, and they're fine with it. They're ready for it. And Looney can't convert. Not being able to convert against Schroeder is a problem. Uh, that that You just can't not. Like, I understand Steve's defensive, you know, defense first issue, but it doesn't matter. Some of these teams you're not shutting down. You have to score. They beat Utah because they scored. And... It's tough, man. When you got two guys who are just not Draymond just decided he wasn't going to shoot that game. Like he just, he made that decision and he wasn't shooting. And then Looney can't shoot. And then Wiggins was doing his Wiggins thing. So and Ubre's not that, playing that, particularly well. Since and Ubre's in the struggle, yeah. Yeah, right? Ubre's yeah, I think Ubre doesn't look right. Ubre, some of his wrists. You see his free throws. Yeah, it's, it's just he airballed a free throw and then started flexing his wrist. I think it was the in, in L.A. against the Clippers. Um, I think. A problem is, you know, remember, so they put Wiseman in in the middle of the first quarter, and immediately it was like, whoa, there's some offensive burst on this team, right? He had that, like, soaring lefty layup. I think he had a putback over Harrell, and you're like, yeah, like, he just turbocharges the offense if he's being used correctly. But the problem then becomes what happens the next 30 minutes defensively to James Wiseman. And I understand, like, just, like, the teenage factor here you know the big man is probably the toughest defensive position in the league considering all the coverages and just like you know you're supposed to be the eyes and ears of the defense on the back line and he just can't be that at his age but that's kind of the that's the issue of the team right now is like he is the offensive answer to this team but he's worse defensively than I thought he was going to be I like what they did against Utah with having him switch so often and it didn't even work out well in the second half but at least it's simple right and he'll pick up fouls and it won't always go well but it seems like just going switch heavy almost using him like he's a giant guard because he does I think in many ways have the mobility of a perimeter player that might be a, a mitigator because it's just 
you can't expect him at this age and with his awareness to be able to be that back line, that linebacker for the defense. So maybe that's something that they uh, could potentially try. But it also seems like with him, if he picks up a few fouls, it goes it goes downhill. I was saying that last night on the on the post gamer. It's like he he just starts planking everything. He's so afraid to foul, and then it like seeps into the rest of his game. He gets like worse on offense when he's in foul trouble too. He just be, he becomes so hesitant to the point it's like. Dude, if you and he ends up fouling out anyways, which is funny, but it's like just go foul out. You know what I mean? Like play even if you got five fouls, play like you got zero essentially. Because I just feel like they need to just get this physical aggression more with him. He's better when he's like free and aggressive and not thinking. You could tell when he starts overthinking, and then he gets in Bruh, his head, and so then he's slumping obvious. his shoulders, and then <laughs> yeah. it snowballs. It, bad games with him snowball quickly. What is the deal with how he comes into the Clipper game in garbage time and he's snatching every rebound like he's the jaws of life? He actually was good rebounding in the first first uh Yeah, he step. had a rebound put back. I think he had like maybe Yeah, f- yeah he's three, been four, better five. at that. He's been better at that. But but the, the Lakers but just had a go bo- south, right? Yeah. <laughs> it becomes seal flippers out of, out of nowhere and I just don't understand I just don't understand. I think it sometimes I think it's a folk I really think it's a focus thing because he had one in the garbage time where he had one hand on it and he closed his hands and he just flicked it out of bounds accidentally. And I think that's just, that's not even bad hands. I think that's, that's probably focus. And we are being critical because this is one of his worst games, but well, he's important. The problem is he's important to this he's, team. When also, I'm, I'm by overall the way, optimistic e- e- on even him. when he's really bad, he's one of their better players. Let's put it honestly. Like, you know, it's, they don't have other options. He's better than Eric Paschal right now. Again, he can be worse for minutes, there's no question. But you can't go like, oh my God, you should have played Eric Paschal over him or you should have played what, Smiley Geach over him? Like, they just don't have anyone he's else. He's their offensive answer, yeah. too. I mean, exactly. like, long, t- like, he's gonna, he seems to me like he could be a 20 point per game scorer in a couple of seasons. Like, but the problem is the defense. We're all fairly positive on him, I think, overall. And I think the LaMelo conversation has skewed the perspective of what he's been able to do. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Wiseman optimist, to be clear. The issue is just the dearth of depth on the team, uh, competent offensive players. What is expected of him exceeds what he can actually do. I mean, the, this is the situation, and it's less about... It, it, he's pretty much, I think, where he should be. It's just that they need more from him right now. Yeah, here's here's one my radical solution to some of this. I mean, they're playing him and Pascal in the second unit. They've tried him and, and JTA. Vic Kerr clearly doesn't like that, and I can understand that. JTA has kind of fallen off too. What about just him, Ubre, Bazemore, and two guards? Like, why even try to play a power forward? Bazemore was Bazemore was a struggle too. Yeah. By the way, he, he's ooh, a no, no question. He's a struggle, oh, but it, that was a bad Bazemore. No yeah. question. He's bouncing it off his foot and all that. But if you just kind of put wings around Wiseman, I think you might get more than putting Pascal next to him. Because I say pool three wings, Wiseman. That's one I could. You say two guards. Yeah, yeah I think they're good, but they're going to stick. Wings. Listen, yeah, they're going to stick with Nico. Right. You know, they're going to stick with Nico. So in that construction, I said, why don't you just pull Pascal out and put Bazemore in there? 
and just see what see what you can do with wings. And Ubre plays the power forwards. There's not that many backup power forwards that you need to match them up against that are super dangerous. And just kind of spread the floor and see what happens. I just Pascal, and again, I'm rough on Pascal because I don't see where the I don't the combinations are bad. We've said this. He's not great with Wiseman. He's not great with Draymond. He's a disaster with Looney. So it's got to be Pascal by himself. Well, if you're playing Wiseman, it can't be Pascal by himself as the center. So take him out of there and put go small with Wiseman. I think that would might be a little more active. I agree with that. I have just have a rotation idea that Ethan won't like. I want to hear it. Let's hear it. Start Wiseman. Bring Pascal in for him. Yes. Start Wiseman in the second quarter. And if you want to go small late, bring Pascal in for him. DNP. That's Come on, Looney. Looney just Whoa. DNP. Whoa. Whoa. Okay, Whoa. Ethan. Your response. Well, Whoa. just like, what matters? I'm with you, Slater. I can't make too many excuses for Looney after the All-Star break. I don't know what happened. He was playing pretty well, in my opinion, before the break. He's been bad sometimes. That's just how it's going to work on this team. If you're playing bad, you lose your spot. I actually don't have much pushback against uh, what Slater is saying because they do need to shake something up. I do wonder, is Damian Lee... Does Kerr just have the unrelenting hate and high expectations <laughs> for Lee that Slater has for him. Looney? What's the deal? What's the deal with this? He's done with, I, he's done with I, Damian Lee. That's very clear. <laughs> I mean, like, he's, he's he's not a perfect player. He has his flaws, but when you look at the other but guys he can on the play. team, yeah, and he's an option offensively. And yes, well, when we talk about the three wings in the second unit, like that, he's a second unit fit. He and he seems to like he has a nice little relationship with Wiseman. You know, I I see them talking on the bench a lot. I thought last night. Remember, Lee did get like some spot minutes in the fourth last night when that wasn't going well for the second unit. He immediately hit a three, and then him and Wiseman were near somebody on the Lakers inside. I can't remember who, and it was a foul was called, and he was like, "That's my foul. That's my foul," because he was not trying to get Wiseman the foul. I like him in that unit with Wiseman, and and I mean, look, it's it's hard to tell from afar, but but Wiseman seems to like him. By the way, did you catch LeBron mocking mocking Pascal? Did anybody else catch that? Just taunting him, and you could hear it on the hot mic saying, "That's all he does. He drops his shoulder, you know, every time." Oh, and look, he's mad now. He's mad now after wow. the ref called wow. it. And I wondered because Pascal remember scored on LeBron and uh, had a very nice play last season. I wondered if LeBron was possibly that petty because. <laughs> <laughs> he dunked on him all yeah, footage the footage has been deleted though <laughs> <laughs> so my thing with with looney is you know what is he long term for this team right into the future he's he's a backup situational center right so i would just make him that where like you know what if if you start james wiseman he's gonna get in foul trouble plenty like there's there's gonna be chances to put looney in there two things you do you just you lean heavier into the youth movement by giving wiseman a starting Whoa. spot and more minutes and Pascal more minutes, but also you just, you save Looney's body a little bit. You don't play him every night. And then he, he just, he comes in when needed situationally when, when Wiseman's in foul trouble, U- utility player, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, what's killing Looney is that Draymond isn't scoring. So you can't play them together. You just, it's like, it just, it just kills the offense when those two guys are on the court together. If Draymond was scoring 11 a game, which I know seems almost impossible to imagine if that were to happen again, but let's say he was scoring 11 a game, then Looney, you could play Looney because it just would, there would be a balance on the court. With Draymond not even shooting, and then you have another guy that the defense doesn't have to cover, it's just too much. Against a good defense, it's just too much. So uh, Looney's play has declined, there's no question. But 
what really kills him, kills his minutes with the Warriors is Draymond not scoring with him, and you just can't do it. And I, I'll say the same thing for Pascal. It hurts having you know Draymond not shooting, and you have Pascal because Pascal will shoot it. He's just going to miss most of the time, and he can't get you the kind of baskets you need when you have an offense that has Draymond on the floor. It's just a different, you know, it's a different mix for them right now when Draymond doesn't shoot and. Then, you know, when he shoots a little bit, you look, things open up, if, of course, especially if he makes them. But it, the moment is he's just not going to shoot very much. And that kind of changes the mix. of And that's, again, why Wiseman's so important, because Wiseman will shoot. <laughs> Wiseman will threaten the basket. Sometimes it won't be Too good. Too much, by the yeah, way. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, at some point you kind of need to stop also put it up. Them. Yeah, I mean, they need him moving. They need him in motion. They don't need him set. Clearly, as he has trouble like absorbing contact on those post plays, and it just it goes wrong. But I mean, THD is pushing him off his spot. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yes, I'm just like Draymond averaged 22 points a game in a Western Conference Finals. Uh, does that in even seem like it happened? By the way, <laughs> like it wasn't I mean, even like five years ago. I mean, I think in 2019 he might he might have averaged 16 16.5 a game, but still. I mean, yeah, that's a good observation from Tim that we're looking at Looney, we're looking at Pascal, but their games have not declined nearly as much as Draymond's offensive game has. And maybe that's injuries, maybe that's, I, I don't know, but it's putting the Warriors in quite the nah, spot. People wonder, people, people wonder, oh, why don't they have Steph on the ball? Does Steve Kerr hate pick and roll? And there's this element of it where the defense knows where to load up if you're doing pick and roll and where to sag off with the Warriors mediocre shooting. And that's one of the reasons why they're so heavy with Steph off ball running around because then Draymond's guy actually has to sit close to him. Otherwise there's going to be an off ball screen and Steph uh, curls around it. So it's impacting everything, you know, to get what they need out of Draymond defensively. They're making more and more concessions offensively. And every Steph minute was with Draymond. I don't even think it's injury. He's deciding not like when he decides not to shoot, and that's part of it. Like he's got to be okay with the three four eleven game because he he misses a couple and then he just stops shooting, and that's worse than him on three four eleven. He took three shots last game. That was that was like his fewest since like last month, like February sixth against Dallas or something like that. Like he's got to take the shots. He just has to. He's gonna do it. A few times a game where he goes coast to coast, and sure, you 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 probably prefer to make him, <laughs> but it's even worse when you just know he's he's driving down a lane, he's got open shot, and he's trying to force like dump off passes in traffic. They're they're waiting for, especially and LeBron. The and them, knows, oh yeah, the defense knows. They're waiting for He's better off just going in and trying to dunk on everybody every time, like. So last game, he just decided he wasn't going to shoot. So just still shoot it because you got to guard it. You know what I'm saying? Like that that's where he's just got to he's got to swallow his pride and be OK with missing shots and, and keep taking them because it's it's causing problems when he doesn't even decide to shoot. Uh, if you're if you're if you're Montrez Harrell, you just like whatever. There's no chance that he can get how to make a couple. Right. There's no chance if you don't shoot. Now, if he make one, it's like, ah, oh, let me not let Draymond get off. That's what happened in the now Utah go game, guard. right? Absolutely. Remember the first half, yeah. what he score, 11 in the first half? Yeah, football? absolutely. Yep. You got to guard him. That's not injury. That's not. That's just him. Not. I think it's him not wanting to be 2 for 11, right, and having everybody saying, oh, he can't. 
I, I don't know why he just decides that, but he hadn't done that in a well, while. Well, if he's worried about his shooting percentages, you know, he's not saving them right now. Hey, can we can we get some? By the way, I mean, can we get some more Jordan Poole? I mean, that's that's another thing. Can we get some Jordan Poole at point, man? I don't. Steve got to let this this oh defense go. Like, come on, let it go. Well, no, it's not helping the defense because you got Nico Mannion on the yes, floor. Yes, absolutely. He's terrible. He is not an NBA defensive player. He's a Let's pest. just say he is not. He's a pest. Uh, he is but not yeah. an NBA defensive player. And so you're putting. He kept trying to steal inbounds and try to I don't know get T.J. McConnell. He know. He know. Yeah, at he one know point he tra- at one point he for uh, almost forced the LeBron travel though. He like jumped. Uh, he did. He, uh, he locked up LeBron for like locked him four up. seconds. <laughs> and then LeBron almost put him into the basket. I like Poole at point just because like he needs to like you want him to have the ball in his hands. And to be honest, in that second unit, who do you trust more with the ball in their hands? I don't know why they're posting up. James Wiseman, like it ever works. Like, just put the ball in Poole's hands. One thing to say about the James Wiseman post-ups is I, I don't think those are being called from the sideline. I think James Wiseman is thirsty for the post-up. I don't know, bro. No, I no. Know. I, 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 I'm watching no, the ball no, whip around. You. I'm watching the ball whip around. The and other James Wiseman like, is sitting there going, over here, over here, over here. You're over telling here. me that they're listening to Wiseman? <laughs> yeah, well, they're seeing him. <laughs> Sometimes we act like the coaches control every all five players' brains. Like these guys, like it's basketball. They kind of, you know, they probably, Steve Kerr needs to do a better job of getting them in sets and like, hey, pick and roll, but like hammer that in their brain for sure. But sometimes it's just James Wiseman saying, I want to post up. And he, yeah, he's setting up. He's giving him the entry pass, so they do it. They do it with Looney sometimes, right? I mean, that's what I go crazy. Like, why are you passing it to Looney? If you at least pass it to Wiseman, he might score. Obviously, Marcus tweeted out the stats. It's not good on post-ups. But there's the threat of it, of one dribble dunk sometimes with Looney. But that's NBA. It's like they're going to get the ball to the big guy if they think he's got some kind or at least get things mo- moving to try to if move the defense. If he's got a size advantage at yes. all, they're going to throw it to him. Yeah. That's what they do. That's just what they're just There was a post up where he ran down and they they literally reversed it, but they did the thing where it was a literal play where they start on one side, on the, on the strong side, reverse it to the weak side where he's posting and got on the ball. Like that was a play. And I get it. I'm not saying don't give him a play, but give him a face-up play. Don't give him a back to the basket play. Like he's I agree with Slater. He goes down there and he's working no, the position no and then he calls for it and they're like, Well, he's calling why, for why it. Why is I he doing that though? But why it's is just he doing what that, big though? men are taught to do it? Nah, that's big what he's because he scored thirty five a game in high school yeah, and he thinks yeah. it's yeah, like I don't know, he, that's high school. I I, well, I, I, I mean, would be obviously this isn't high school, but his brain believes it's possible. No, I'm saying they're telling him that. I'm saying you're saying they're, they're telling t- him post up four times a game. It's going very well. The analytics are terrific. You're telling him James Wiseman. You're telling me that 19 year old is running sets that they didn't tell him. They didn't teach him. He's just going against the offense. Stuff happens. Semi transition. Not every play is not. Not every play is called. And I'm with Slater that big men retreat to what they know. They retreat to the paint. I just think he's mostly retreating what he knows. But I still want to stay on this Jordan Poole thing because, look, we are coming off this terrible loss. But if you were to say they're going to split the two games between the Jazz and the Lakers, you would say ultimately good outcome. And this Jordan Poole development, I believe, is potentially very meaningful for the team. And it's an opportunity for Slater to take a victory lap. And I think that's getting obscured in this whole pylon that we're doing in the aftermath of this Laker game. This guy, this guy's got some scary skills, man. I mean, I don't know what it's going to be. 
I don't know how consistent it's going to be. I don't think anybody can know that, but I mean, it, it looks like after the first few months where he didn't even seem like an NBA player, it looks like, uh, like Bob Myers hit on this draft pick. I mean, this guy, this guy's talented. Yeah, he can get to the basket. He can hit some deep threes. He can air ball too, but you accept that when he's making others. And no question, there is a talent there. There is an NBA talent there. There is an NBA rotational talent there. But it's true. He's getting more minutes. He's jumped over a bunch of people. Uh, and, and now it's a matter of putting him in the right mix. What do you want around him? What do you need around him? And they got to figure that I don't think they've got a lot, you know, some of the stuff they just don't have. But, you know, he's jumped over Mulder. He's jumped over Damian Lee. You can't say that, you know, they, the, the coaching staff is, hasn't reacted to it. They've, they've moved him in the position. And, and now we'll see how it goes. I, obviously, there's going to be some defensive problems when you have Nico Mannion and, and Jordan Poole as your defensive backcourt. But they got to kind of figure some of those things out. But, yeah, Slayer called this one long ago. Let's give him his props. This Jordan Poole is going to be in the rotation for the rest. Of, he has to be in the rotation for the rest. I was like, he scored that before he left for the for the G League. He went off, right? I was like, whoa, what, who is this? Yeah, who is this guy? And, like, you know, this can't be who he is now, right? Well, it, you know what? It is kind of who he is now. He took it to the G League, and he's brought it to, to the games after the break. And even if there are some bumpy things and there are some mistakes, you could see where this is headed, and it's it, it's and he's also better than what and he's better than Michael Mulder. There's no he is better than Michael Mulder. That's not a question, and we'll see where this is headed. It's moving in an upward direction, no no doubt. And it's let let's see what they do with him. I don't know if he's a starter in the NBA, but I think he is for no, sure. He, he's that, a that nice combo. Yeah, that that combo backup guard in that second unit, or maybe even you know you play him with Steph sometimes, which they've done a little bit, and, and you see what happens. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. They close with him against the Utah Jazz, and he hit a mega three that was needed with like three minutes left. And hasn't been embarrassing on defense, you know. And I'm sure he's not been great, but he hasn't been embarrassing. And that has been noted behind the scenes, by the way, is that he's getting better defensively. This is a test for Steve Kerr because this is not his usual type of guard that he hands the keys to on the back. Second no, unit. He's, you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> and like the whole Mannion thing is like maybe he's given Poole the minute, these developmental minutes that Poole has clearly earned, but he's also saying, well, time to Mannion. And I think Poole generally seems to be okay with that because they played a lot together in the G League and apparently they're very friendly behind the scenes. But the one thing, again, and I said, I know this has been noted behind the scenes, is he's, he's doing stuff that... Kerr also likes in the last few games, which is like it, he's making – sometimes he gets it in the corner, and even though it, like it, it could be a chuck or, or an attack, sometimes it's the extra pass. Um, and it's 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 patience. He doesn't come in the game – you'll notice he doesn't come in the game and immediately shoot. Yeah, it's not frantic. It's not yes. frantic. Yep. And, and that's purposeful. That's like, hey, I'm playing the team game. Now, then there are – four or five straight possessions where he'll go to work. Sometimes it's when, like, man, they need some offense. And then he's talking. He got fouled, by the way, on two three-pointers last night. I think that's – he's gotten fouled on three three-pointers the last couple of games. I don't, I don't know if that's something he's good at or it was just random. Like, Alfonso McKinney just, like, ran into him. But he's starting to become a better team player along with the skill that Ethan's talking about. Yeah, skill – I mean, you see something new every game. 
last night euro step into his offhand uh that's not something that that's not something every every guy does and looks completely comfortable i mean guys will euro step but not necessarily to their not necessarily to their left hand and finish very comfortably and he just does stuff like that whether it's that whether it's sham god and then you throw in the the shooting ability which was not there last season and did he change yes, his form? It yes, looks a little bit yes. more Damian Lillard, right? It's, it's quicker. a little off it's the quicker. shoulder too. Uh, He's a bit stronger. Quicker. That's the main thing. He's like been bit in the weight room a lot. The cojones, though, to just go in there and he always he had, had that though. I mean, but you think he missed his first two threes in the game before, and then off a DHO deep three, just slings it, he drains takes it deep ones, and you know, he airballs them too once in a while, but he takes deep ones. He's he has not been phased by misses at all as an NBA player. And he had a lot of opportunities not to be phased <laughs> last season. I love what he does. I love when he sets up not right behind the three point line, but the defense forgets about him because he's four or five feet back there and he shoots it like a regular three pointer. I know that hasn't been what Kerr teams tend to do, but that off the catch. 28 to 31 foot shot, I think, is a tremendous asset to the offense potentially. And they need it. Oh, they need it. Oh, they need it and so I, much. I think yeah. the part that they're kind of not using, which is like I, why I want to see the ball in his hands, is his his creation. Like, like they need somebody to get into the paint. He can like, also turn it over. Once, into but he the can paint. pass. He, yeah, he yeah. can get in there and make a play. He's man. His first step has gotten so dramatically better, and his his his, his ability to attack from triple threat. It's like way better. Like you could tell they were working on that. Like Chris Weems and him, like were working on that because he gets the ball, especially from like a wing where it's in play. It's one move and he's in the paint. That I feel like they could they could probably use that more, which is why I want to see more of him at the point, just because he's got more opportunities to do that. But that's kind of what they need with that second unit, something that could collapse the defense. I think that's why they post. They always post with the second unit because sometimes it's Wiggins, sometimes it's whoever, but because they need something to draw the defense to set up the kick out. They just don't have those type of players. They need to move the defense. Who moves the defense? Who moves the defense? How do they move the defense? And Jordan Poole can move the defense. I think that he can make a play, make a, make a drive, things change, you know, because they don't have the individual scores clearly on that second unit. Well, they don't have any of them other than Steph and sometimes Andrew Wiggins, but Jordan Poole has some of that. Yeah. That's the, that's what we're saying. Like, like this, there's some different, there's something different here and you accept some of the limitations, which there clearly still are, but he finally looks like a first rounder. That's what he looks like. Now he looks like again, a late first rounder. We know they're all tough, but he finally looks like a guy. Okay. That's a first round draft pick. There's something here to develop. And, and again, like I said about Wiseman, he's also better than most of the rest of the players that they got. So yeah, you just more talented, him. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you just got to play him. Look, look, play. We're not getting off this subject until we recognize that Nico Mannion is seven for his last 15 from three. There you go. Well, he's a so shooter. Why, why are you he's talking about his defense, baby? Seven for 15 from three, Slater, what? That matters. That is it does. It does. a deciding skill for Nico Mannion's career. He's a polarizing player, by the way. There are people who are in the NBA who say, not an NBA player to me, not an NBA player. And then there are people who really like him, especially around the Warriors. People with Santa Cruz, for instance, were really impressed with just how he goes about his business, uh, with how fierce a competitor he is, and say, I buy him. I buy him making it. So I'm I'm fairly agnostic. I think it was a fine draft choice at the position it was, but he's he's polarizing off the bat right now. Did you hear what Chris was saying when they were asking him about it, you know, Nico's defense and 
He said, you know what? He's got to do some of those things that Steph does. Did you hear that? Like, you know, switch off when it gets down to the post. And just stay away from those guys. I go, whoa, okay. I thought the conversation was always supposed to be about how Steph's defense is better than you thought it was. But that's what makes Marquise really good on the air. He was, yeah, right. He's going to tell like, you. He makes points. Like, whoa, like, okay, yeah, he does have to do the things that Steph does. Because Steph doesn't guard the most dynamic offensive player ever. He just doesn't do it. It's smart. He's really good on the help side. He's really good in thinking it through. But when somebody goes down to the post who's dangerous, Steph gets off of him and Draymond makes sure that someone else is on him. And they will really have to do that with me. They will really have to do that with me. His defensive rating for March is 120. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If they're doing a redraft of 2019, uh, is Poole a lottery pick? I don't know about why. I, I, I don't know. I got to go back and look um, through the. Yeah, I got to look back. Through I say that. yes. Sure. I say. Okay. I say yes. Uh, yeah. Looking gotta, at it, John Hollinger literally just did this, and he wasn't in his top twenty. But that was before, you know, Pool has come back. But I don't. I don't know that I'm there yet. But if I was projecting, I would say that will be an opinion soon. But I've obviously been, you know, high on him the last few weeks. That like, hey, all get, I'm saying know. is Ethan has jumped off the loony and onto the Jordan Pool thing. No, he's on the. <laughs> he's actually. He's on Ethan the. He's on the. Ethan's on the Slater bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, let's, it let's not talk about pool here. Let's talk about what Slater said about pool. That's what we got to go. Here. Slater did call it. Slate Stradamus in this instance said that they should bring him up and have him helm uh, the second unit. And it is it is come to fruition. And uh, we almost, just because of the timing of the podcast, I don't think that we really gave him his just due. And really, I shouldn't be extending it to him considering he's trying to end Kevon Looney's career viciously. No, I'm trying to repeatedly. turn Kevon Looney into what he should be for this team. What Kevon Looney probably is like, why am I not there for this team? You know what I mean? <laughs> if they're actually a title team next year, Kevon Looney's a backup. He might be closing halves. Like, they kind of like that. On, but, in the right matchup, yeah. on the yeah. right night. And, you know, he's sporadically used. You see this note from our producer here, Brian Smith. Uh, Ethan is out of the Looney lane and jumped into the pool. There you go, Brian. You got your 15 minutes, 15 seconds. Slater, who loves Wiseman so much, turning the, just training the sniper fire immediately on poor Looney after Wiseman was clearly what was wrong. Well, I'll say one thing. You know what this season's doing is it's really outlining what they need, like what positional players they need. And also right now, I mean, at center, we're going to just assume you need growth out of Wiseman. They need a really good athletic backup power forward. They really need that because, I mean, Pascal is not that. They're trying to force it. It's not that. He's something other. He's unique. Jonathan Kuminga. Exactly. (laughs) Like, yeah, a six foot seven, eight strong, can play some four, can defend fours, can hit threes. Like, that's, and it doesn't have to be great at it, just has to do it. If they had that player, they would be a lot better. And maybe that guy can, you know, run run on the break and get some buckets that way. But a 3 and D young dynamic backup power forward, that would help them. Now, we could also talk about, you know, what Jordan Poole's role is, maybe a backup, one, a defensive backup one, a Sean Livingston type to play with Poole in the second unit. That's another one I would say. But I, if you, what would really improve this team more than anything, other than a superstar at any position, of course, would be a dynamic, lengthy backup power forward who can hit threes. It would be huge for them. Those are pricey. 
Yeah, well, you got you know, this in the draft. Maybe you get one in the draft. That's that's where you. This, I'm seeing yeah. Kuminga and Jalen Green. I'm seeing are in the four to five range right yeah. there. That's, but you that's know, tantalizing. Uh, how about if they get like the thirteenth and take uh, Kispert? How about that one? Not wouldn't be the athletic side, but he could play power forward and he could hit everything on the outside. Like that that kind of player, that kind of player would not be terrible for them. I thought Justinian Jessup was the answer to all of this. <laughs> Who, who's to say he's not? Who's he to could, say he's not? Come on, Ethan. We I'm need to saying, keep the pound on those drums. Not, I'm, I'm, those yeah. They just sent a guy over there to start watching him uh, out there. I know Warriors fans were getting angry about that, and I was just thinking, you do know that we're playing. This is basketball in coronavirus times. It's not just so easy to send people off to Australia and have them come back. Currently. It looks like they like how Jessup's progressing, and that's such a Gorgon's such a respected coach, maybe the most respected in Australia. So, if it really is about next season, I think they're making a bet that it's better to have Jessup down under than up here, even if there is a need for a shooter. Uh, so we, we we shall see. We shall see on Jessup. That's the next season. But that's what this Warriors team is shaping up to be. I think is an incredibly exciting team next season. <laughs> Yeah. That's what they yeah. are. Yeah, you can just use this season to kind of spotlight what they need and and what the players who won't be part of that next season. Or yeah, they also need to figure out what roles. they have yeah. too, yeah, right? Exactly. Which is like that's what these Mannion pool minutes are. That's what the Wiseman minutes are. And they're not going to be great. And, you know, I, I am curious to see them against not terrific second units. Like, you know, their first two games have been against Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson. Right, last right. Night. It was yeah, LeBron, Harrell, and Kuzma. I'm ready to see them against the Houston Rockets second unit, which the Houston Rockets' entire team is the second yeah, unit. Yeah, we right couldn't now. even name their second unit. Yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't even and then the, the And then be. the Grizzlies. You know, and, and I, I do want to see them against you know players that are more to their level, particularly from an age standpoint. I mean, they're playing some veterans the last couple yeah. of games. Well, it's just, you put LeBron out there, it's like you forget about it. Just for, you know, like it's, you're just going to have to try to hold on for your lives when you're when you got LeBron going against the Warriors second unit right now. Uh, it's it's tough. It's tough. They're going to lose those pockets plenty, and like fans are going to grumble that why they're on the court, but like they've got to be on the court. Now, we can we can gripe about the mix. I've said I don't know that it needs to be Mannion and Poole, and it could be just Poole, but like that's just ha- they have to play. They have to play. This, they need to know what they have. And it's not like they have other people who could they could put in there. You go, oh, that'll fix it. Get Brad Wanamaker. Get yeah, get Brad Wanamaker back in there. That'd be great. They would have lost those minutes last night with their previous second unit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, no question, know. no question. This is a sort out season, and that's you know twenty and twenty and a sort out season with a possibility with a much easier schedule coming in to, to you know to end up slightly above five hundred. You know, in that nine, eight, seven, you know, rung, play a play in game, see what happens. And, you know, maybe you understand your roster a little bit better and, you know, exactly what you need for next season. It's not exciting for fans. Uh, they want, you know, and I understand that. They want wins. They want dynamic play. They want to see Steph, you know, in the playoffs, deep go, in a deep run. But that's not the roster that they have right now. If they, if they can get something out of, you know, figure out what Wiseman is, get him. You know, leveled off for next season. Figure out what else you need. Figure out what you have, and win more than you lose. That's probably a, a pretty good season for them. Yeah, and they're using Wiseman differently. I mean, I know we're griping about the post ups, but he's not doing as much of that. Hang around the perimeter, back to the basket, twenty feet from the basket, looking to do off ball screens. It does appear that they've simplified things, especially with that second unit. It's all about it's all about the pick and roll. So I think 
And I wrote this as much as we're looking at how the Warriors youth are adjusting. I think we're also seeing the organization adjust to them because this is not an organization that is used to this kind of thing. They haven't really had talent to develop until right now. So I think it's a process for everybody, not just the players, but for everybody else. No question. I think the two people who matter most from a patience standpoint, who have to maintain the most patience, is, are going to end up being Steph Curry and Draymond Green. This is not going to be a particularly fun second half. Now, I mean, look, the schedule softens up. They're going to get wins. Like the Jazz win, it felt like, woo, these two errors are kind of mixing in this game, and it is working pretty decently. And, and when Wiseman is used as a tool, it's a fun tool, I'm sure, for them to have this like just dunk machine at center that they haven't had. So there will be moments where it'll probably feel fine, but there are also going to be times like last night where Steph Curry and Draymond Green just go through a tough first quarter and they're they're down three to the, the Lakers they want this win and then they just for the next six minutes go well and we that's lost. ball game. We lost yeah game. that's ball game. Game. Yeah. <laughs> I want to preach some patience in general too just because I think we lose sight of how long this stuff tends to take and there is a temptation to be prisoner of the moment, but we can look to Jordan Poole and what he was last season. He's, yeah, and he's 21 season. still, and it, it felt like we've already gave up on him, and now it's like, is he a sixth man of the year in, in three years? But, it yeah. didn't help that he was following Jacob Evans. <laughs> <laughs> with big shoes to fill there? Big shoes to fill with Jacob Evans. <laughs> he's like, we're done with these 28 picks. <laughs> Everybody's dreaming on Bradley Beal, and for good reason. He's an excellent player, but it took him until his fifth season until he was an efficient scorer. And look, the Warriors don't have that much time to, to wait around. But I do think, especially when we look at Wiseman and we look at what some of the star bigs who we can find as similarities, maybe you want to say Bosch, maybe you want to say Garnett, whatever. These guys were not, they were not contributing to wins early in their career. Frankly, neither was Kevin Durant. I mean, I remember when people were writing about how Kevin Durant had horrific plus minus and His what this might mean. His rookie season was terrible. Oh, was hor- oh, horrendous, horrendous. So that's yeah, what we're d- looking at. Defensively and, and efficiency was terrible. Uh, NBA person made this point to me very specifically. I wrote about it a little bit, but she said, look at DeAndre Ayton. How good did you think he was as a rookie? I, said, I didn't think he was any good at all. Because, yeah, I thought he was a bust. He, had, he was lost out there. He put up some numbers, but he didn't do anything to help the team win. Well, was DeAndre Ayton like it last season? He was hurt mostly, but he didn't do much. What is DeAndre Ayton now at 21 years, 22 years old? He's something on a good team. Again, the statistics are whatever, but you can just tell he's something. He goes, that's Wiseman. He goes, not the same player, but can you see that? If you see that growth for James Wiseman, he's going to be a hell of a player, and he's more talented than DeAndre Ayton. He is more talented than DeAndre Ayton. It does kind of take you back say, that's three seasons. It hasn't felt like three seasons for Aiton, but it is three seasons for Aiton. And it might take, you know, maybe a little quicker for Wiseman because he's more talented and he's potentially on a better team. But that one really hit me. Like, okay, I don't think of them as comparable at all, but they are comparable because they came into the, the NBA with very little experience. They're plopped into it as much as expected. Everybody's looking at Luka Doncic was taken after you, Aiden. Look at that, Luka Doncic. And in, in a version of that is is Wiseman with Lamella Ball. And yet, okay, he's 22. He's still super young. And Aiden, you're, you're not saying Aiden's a bust. You're saying Aiden's something that you really want. And Wiseman might be that at 21, 22, which is a ways from now. Uh, I just think it's a better way to look at it than the hyper now, 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 bus, great bus, okay, like this stuff has a progression and we have to analyze it on the, on the run, but it's not how it's decided. It's decided over the long term. 
I was going to say the argument some would make is, well, that doesn't fit Steph Curry's timeline. And you know what? That may end up being the case, and I think there might be a reckoning this summer where they, where if a superstar becomes available that's in that Bradley Beal range, it's like maybe they do need to decide. Like, Do they mortgage to, to fuse the air as better? But this idea that they're currently denying that reality there's not a superstar on the table. You know, who's who is the most That's available the part, yeah. best player at the trade deadline? Like Victor Oladipo, who's shooting thirty eight percent right yeah, now. Yeah, like yeah, you know, Kyle Lowry. Like I mean, like Bradley Beal is not available. Like Washington not available, is not period. trading him right now. That's just a fact. Like so, people can have these like trades. Harrison scenarios. Barnes, the superstar, not available. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, He's more not, available. Not, hey, well, you're, put you're, James you're, Wiseman on the table. I think Harrison Barnes yeah. might be available. <laughs> and here's the other thing. I mean. They trade James Wiseman for a superstar, which I would approve. But who's your center then? It's Kevon Looney and Marquise Chris, and you're back in that circle. Yeah, I mean, I think you could solve that in yeah, the summer. You like, it. You, it would you be tough. It would be tougher. It would be the Zaza Pachulia day, but you know, it would be that thing. It literally could be Zaza Pachulia, like literally <laughs> put on uniform. But I think the general point, Tim, as you're talking about this like whole now, now, now thing, is like this is a summer decision, and guess what? You do reconstruct rosters in the summer, and you do make big, bold decisions either to hold what you have or use what you have. But the thing is, that's not available right now. It's just not. It's just not. That is essentially what Steph was saying, uh, and you know, the way the way he was talking about it is it it kind of does fit his timeline though. He's going to sign an extension. He plans to be with the Warriors for four or five more years. He he would love a four-year extension. So that puts him that puts him on a team five more years after this. So, yeah, Wiseman, if if you follow the eight timeline, that's right in Steph's window. In his mind, he thinks I'm going to be I want to be playing for a title in you know, year 2, year 3, year 4, year 5. So it does put him in that window. I think that people who are thinking about it, including myself, are thinking about it like Steph is balling right now, like maximize it right now. But even Steph is thinking, don't do anything that's going to make me be back in this situation in four years, right? And the the moves that people want that would give them this four-year window, they're just not there. Bradley, like, I mean, you can't say it better than that, Slater. Like, he's literally not available. Now, if if these dudes pop up on some other team, right, some of these players are like, okay, now they're acquired by somebody else, then you kill the Warriors, right? But right now, they're just not on the table. And we don't know. We don't know if, 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 if we find out the Wizards are like, yo, if you give us Wiseman, we do it, and the Warriors are saying no, then all right, I got you, but... Then we can all debate whether that was a good decision. Absolutely. Just like, hey, you know, the Kevin Love, Clay Thompson thing, like that was obviously on the table. And and in retrospect, it's wiser that they held Clay Thompson. That could have turned out differently, and and we could all debate. And guess what? Steph's mind could change if suddenly Bob Myers comes to him this summer and goes, Philadelphia behind the scenes is talking to us about Joel Embiid. You know what I mean? Or something like that. I don't think his mind would change at all. I think he'd take that right now. <laughs> I think I think he's against I think he's against doing the move. Like you give up Wiseman a pick for a guy right now, and then that guy walks and now because you got nothing. Because truly right? who yeah. is that right now? It's Kyle Lowry. Absolutely. It's Victor Oladipo. Yeah. Like that that's what he's against. He's like, Don't mortgage my future to win right now. Like everybody knew I think they all kind of knew when Clay went down, that was pretty much it. So how do you do the future thing with that said uh the question isn't i don't think the question is so much Wiseman and stuff anymore like yeah you know you'll be able to you'll have Wiseman, you have to pick the pedal the question is those ancillary pieces right it's like 
what do you do with Wiggins? What do you do with with Ubre? Are, are these guys keepers? Like, who do you keep? Who do you say? I think all that stuff is why. So I know Slater, you've been saying it. This stuff happens in the summer. It's why you got to decide it in the summer, because it's not just if you go get like Bradley Beal makes a lot of sense on this team. He'd be perfect. But if you lock up all these contracts and you got five max players and one of them is Wiggins, you got, you got to have a conversation about that. Can you win a championship with Steph, Clay, Draymond, Beal, and Wiggins as your starting five? But now if you say, yo, you can figure out what to do with Wiggins and get a center. All that st- is so much that has to be worked out that you just can't do it before a deadline. I actually think they might make a piece, like a little fill-in, like, I think I wouldn't be surprised if by the trade deadline they decide on Smiley Jeets or something, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah. Whoa, he whoa, whoa. that's whoa. a big one. That's a he big could one. he could whoa. easily be thrown into into a deal. So you know, absolutely. So yeah, could yeah. Wanamaker. He looks you know. so forlorn now with the uh, Castaway Island beard. Who's got the Castaway Island beard? Smiley Wilson, where are you, Wilson? Smiley, Smiley, I man. missed. I, I, I got yeah. some whiskers. Huh? Yeah. yeah, I was like, "What wow. beard?" <laughs> I'm not um, sure Ethan was, was watching that correctly. I didn't see a beard. Yeah. On <laughs> I didn't what? either. <laughs> there are follicles. There are follicles. Okay. okay. Wow. Wow. Breaking news. That's gonna get aggregated right there. The guy. I'm obviously. I think we should, all are monitoring the next week or until the deadline. And I'm writing a deadline thing for tomorrow. Is Ubre right? I mean, like that's the salary slot that I think they're gonna indicate. Over the next week, like, do they think he could potentially be part of the future? I mean, some of that is, will Joe Lake continue to eat ta- the tax bill? But that is the the salary slot that's time is ticking. I mean, he's an unrestricted free agent, and you obviously can't take that money and go elsewhere. If, if you keep him beyond the deadline, is there somebody out there that they think f- fills it better and that, that they could get in and have his rights going into the summer? So that's, to me, like, that is so the non-summer decision. Now, that's the now They want to keep him, right? Essentially, if they keep them past the deadline, they want to keep them. Yes, either that or don't believe they can pay that slot. Regardless, I mean, like, what's Uber? You know, Uber's probably going to make you know seventeen, eighteen million a year. Which you just luxury tax, yeah, luxury tax. Yeah, yeah. You want to times that by the tax money, and they're going to be a repeater at some point too. I think maybe next season. But as Kirk keeps talking about how great it is to have these wings, you know, you got wings who can play, you know, opponents' best player. You got Wiggins who can play LeBron. You've got Ubre who can go play. You know, he guards Lillard or whoever he's guarding. You know, it's it's a lot to just say. Do you just subtract them? Do you just like do you just what what do you get for you? Yeah, what do you get for him? You got to get something for him. And even if it's to save the slot, you just got to get somebody who you can project into the future. You're not going to get a lot, obviously, on, a, on an expiring deal. They can move Baysmore in that slot. We all know there's pluses and minuses with Baysmore. They could, they could theoretically play out the season with Baysmore there. What? Jordan you Poole? Have, no, no, no. no. Hey, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, what? No, I was saying Clay Thompson's talking about how he might not, you know, it, it might be opening night. It might be three weeks in the season. It might be a month. And when I come back, it's going to be 18 It's going to be 18 it's minutes. Be, yeah. No question. So it's no like, question. You know, that, that immediately increases Ubre's value to next season's team. You, you know who else value increases? Bradley Bill. <laughs> <laughs> oh like, my! Yeah. Oh wow. man! Wow! Wow! Like yo, Bradley Bill. Yes. Justinian uh, we, we're gonna get a guaranteed always, twenty points. Let's go. Justinian Jessup was that, guaranteed twenty-two points a game. So, uh, no, they, they got a lot worry. of moving Ethan pieces. Ethan says Looney's like I got this. Looney's like I got this. Honey. <laughs> I got the extra. 
I so loony. I so loony. I so loony. I did watch the last Jessup game, I will say, mainly because those feeds are amazing and the NBA could learn a thing or two and the live timeout is incredible. But they're throwing a lot. They're throwing like box and one at Jessup right now. It's uh, it's getting a little So what's his NBA position, there. Ethan? Is he a three? What is he? Yeah, I think he's a three. I think he's a three. Probably in some lines you can play up. Uh, defensively, I have seen him get burned especially off ball now they run some tricky stuff over there in australia but that has been an issue but he i mean the thing with him even when you see him miss it's like the ball goes in and out i mean it's ridiculous shooting accuracy so it will be very interesting to see if kerr prioritizes the shooting over the defense since we all know that ironically considering who he was as a player he tends to prioritize uh, the defense over the shooting. What do you always say, MT? Kerr hated himself as a player, right? He coaches him away from Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr type player? I'm not playing that guy. Good hell with that. It is kind of funny. It is kind of funny. <laughs> so, yeah, J- Jessup, I, I, I like the, this image or idea of Bob Myers with, like his, with a scraggly beard, like looking all rough, like, they're going to believe in me when they see Jessup, right? Like, Looking like Alan smiling oh, with yeah. the beard. Yeah, watch this Jessup. <laughs> Jessup is going to save my legacy. <laughs> They're going to know I can draft. Remember Myers at that draft choice, the draft the draft pick uh, press conference during the Durant oh, after, last yes, race? Oh, yes. my oh, God. Yeah, the, it was, the one I that included the pool. Oh, he was like, yeah, yes. maybe these guys will work out. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they cares. Honestly, who gives a shit? It's he, basketball. Was like, he was, was like the so, best Santa version of he's had, He had a couple really <laughs> He had a couple really strange press conference moments that year where he also, in a press conference, somebody asked him about, like picks and he's like ah they're all and jacob evans is still on the roster at this point mind you and he goes well you know you never know drafts are a crap shoot sometimes i mean look at me i thought jacob evans was a rotation player. <laughs> yes oh i like i like okay, that okay okay that was stuff. off the record uh if you could just yeah, maybe yeah. not write yeah, that yeah, down yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody know tape recorders were off during that that is not i'm right. a believer in jessup though you know if i have to make a call on it my my word's not worth anything but it seems like what I like about him, I like when guys have a model of what they're going to do. I like that when I talked to him, he said, I'm watching every Duncan Robinson game. I'm watching every Duncan Robinson game. I'm looking at everything he does because that is attainable for him in the NBA. It's not attainable for just Justinian Jessup to be, I don't know, Kobe Bryant. But if you want to be Duncan Robinson, that's a valuable guy to have. I see that firmly within his capabilities so that's i think a reason to be optimistic about uh australian jesus or whatever we're calling him right now <laughs> i mean he's american but he's in australia he's got me with smiley Heach with a beard like i watched that game and i did not see a beard on smiley Heach. so you, you got you're seeing straggler. things you're seeing things that i guess once again you're just seeing things that i cannot see by the way, not that I'm any fashion expert, but uh, it, it makes it look like he's already off the team. It makes it look <laughs> like uh, if you if this is a deep cut, but the famous World Cup commercial where you see what what happens if you win the World Cup and maybe what happens if you lose. And Rooney, at one point, it shows him screwing up and then it flashes forward to him being in a trailer park. And he has the same pretty much the same facial hair as somebody who's down and out as Jessup has right now. So if he wants to stay on the team, I think he's got to go the Yankee way and, uh, you know, shave that up. It's just what I think. 
the okay. Yankee way. Great podcast. All Great right, podcast. Good job, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we gave, came to the obvious conclusion that uh, Alan Smiley Beach needs to uh, be Slater's like, dude, Shade. once we start talking about dudes yeah, and beards, yeah, let's go. That's it's time to go. Was, oh, we're done with that. Slater, thank you for being the voice of reason on this episode. We are out of here. Wiseman needs a beard. Losers!